0: This episode contains references to sexual abuse of children, sexual misconduct, and explicit language. Viewer discretion is advised.
1: Welcome to the first episode of The Black Door. Today we'll be discussing internet stalkers. My name is Harleen Walker, but you may call me Harley for short.
0: And my name is Clint Johnson. So tell me, Harley, where is cyberstalking?
1: Well, according to the legal dictionary, cyberstalking is the use of electronic means, including the internet, to stalk or harass someone. This includes making threats, solicitation for sex, false accusations, defamation, slander, libel, identity theft, and vandalism. Now while this is often used in conjunction with offline stalking, it is regardless a crime.
0: The Violence Against Women Act of 2000 places cyberstalking under federal law in the U.S. A conviction may result in a restraining order, probation, imprisonment, fines, and restitutions. Since cyberstalking is technologically based, there are several ways that a stalker can influence a victim, including harassment, embarrassing or humiliating the victim, wounding the credit or emptying the victim's bank account, isolation via harassment or family, friends, and employers.
1: So if cyberstalking is so prevalent, there are obviously key features to identify cyberstalking cases. These can include false accusations where a stalker tries to damage the victim's reputation by posting false information, monitoring the victim's identities by tracing their IP address or hacking into the social media and emails, as well as false victimization where the stalker claims that the victim is actually harassing them.
0: In order to understand the environment in which cyberstalking takes place, you have to know the statistics behind it. The majority are between 18 and 29 years old. About 56% of cyberstalkers are male. Women men make up 60% of all victims. In more than 70% of cases, the victim and the stalker live in different states. Nearly 50% of the victim's ex. 15% are online acquaintances. More than 30% of attacks begin on Facebook or through email. More than half of the victims are single, and 31% are married. And Caucasian people are 10 times more likely to be targeted than people of other ethnicities.
1: While the details of cyberstalking cases may vary, the undercurrent of the crime remains the same. In January of 2013, James S. Allen of Baltimore, Michigan, was indicted by the federal grand jury on 18 counts of cyberstalking and 5 counts of production of child pornography. Between April and August 2012, Allen utilized both the internet and text messages to stalk, communicate with, and threaten 18 female victims, many of which were minors. He had contacted his victims and told them that he had found nude pictures of them on the internet. He then directed them to a specific website to view said pictures. In reality, this website was a front for a phishing expedition so he could obtain the victim's private email address and password.
0: Alan seized control of their accounts and threatened to release the photos if they did not engage in a Skype video chat with them. Once the victim logged into Skype, where Alan utilized the screen name of "Shh," Allen Alan would demand that the victims would remove their clothes and engage in sexual acts.
1: Alan was convicted of both the production of child pornography and cyber-stalking and sentenced to 262 months in prison and 10 years of supervised release. Another case involves Republican activist, Adam Savadier.
0: Savadier hacked the online accounts of belonging to 15 women in order to obtain nude photos of them. These women were people he knew personally from school and work. He then threatened to send the photos to the victim's family and friends unless they sent him more photos. In one text, Savadier threatened that the victim had until noon to send the photos. Don't be stupid, he said. Once I send pics of you, they cannot be unsent.
1: At Savadir's sentencing, he apologized publicly, but the judge could not be swayed. He was then sentenced to 30 months in prison. A final case of discussion today is the stalking and eventual murder of Christine Belfort. Belfort divorced her ex-husband David T. Matatsevich in 2007, but her ex's family refused to let her rest. Matasevich created a plot to stalk and harass Belford while he was in prison for kidnapping Belford's children. The Matatsevich family posted false allegations online in an attempt to persuade their supporters that Belford was a child abuser. Unfortunately, they were successful and the family created a network of individuals willing to uncover information about Belford's personal life. In addition, the family hired a private investigator to spy on her. Then, in August 2011, Mitasevich's parental rights were terminated and the family court of the state of Delaware found his allegations of abuse to be baseless. In 2012, he petitioned the court to reduce his child support and in 2013, he received permission to travel from Texas to Delaware for a hearing on this matter. David Matatsevich traveled with his father Thomas and his mother Lenore from Texas to Delaware, and on February 11, 2013, he and his father entered the courthouse lobby shortly after 8am, where Thomas Matatsevich shot and killed both Belford and her friend Laura Milford. Thomas Matatsevich later committed suicide after a shootout with the police. Mitasevich, his mother Lenore and his sister, Amy Gonzalez, were convicted in July 2015 on charges of conspiracy and interstate stalking resulting in death. The following February, they were sentenced to life in prison. This was a landmark case in regards to cyberstalking. Not only were every remaining member of the family convicted of cyberstalking, they were also essentially convicted of murder. In the time before her death, Belford confided in family, friends, and her lawyer that she was afraid for her life. In the end, this family took the harassment to the next level and took the life of a young mother. Their sentences are reflective of not only their crimes, but the judge's compassion for the children who were
0: left behind. So what happens if you come in contact with a potential cyberstalker? The U.S. Department of Justice has issued these recommendations for people who believe they are being cyberstalked. 1. Demand that the stalker eliminate all contact. 2. Save all communications for evidence. These must not be altered in any way and the electronic copies are kept. Save all records of threats. These include both written and recorded threats as well as the time, date, and circumstances of verbal threats. 4 contact the stalker's internet service provider or ISP. This may result in a discontinuation of the harasser's internet service and require the ISP to maintain a record of the harasser's internet usage. Number five, keep records of contact with the ISP and law enforcement.
1: Now obviously no one wants to get to that point. So before you end up being stalked, there are some things you can do to eliminate the possibility. On the internet, Limit online contact with individuals who do not know in real life. Avoid spam emails that seem to be a phishing attempt. This could result in your information being compromised. These phishing emails will often say something along the lines of, your account has been suspended or your information has been taken and require you to log into a site. And finally, do not use your real name and usernames or passwords for non-essential websites. Obviously, for sites such as LinkedIn or Facebook, you will use your real name. But for non-essential sites such as Instagram, Twitter and Snapchat, it is not a requirement to use your real name and therefore you should not. Now, once again, this is Harleen Walker.
0: And Clint Johnson signing off.
1: Join us next week for another discussion of The Darkness Online.